Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. So, big treat this morning. Can we give a warm Bethel Atlanta welcome to Paul as he comes up? Thank you. I always get nervous when Jen's about to introduce me. That was a pretty cool line. Her name's Jennifer Dawn. I know her middle name because there were two Jens in my class, so I needed to know which one was Jennifer Dawn. I could dedicate the whole message to you because it's about the dawn, um, but I hadn't realized that. But um, to insulate ourselves from the vulnerability of needing a God. Did you hear that? Do you hear that? In the, in the offering that we... We, we don't need wealth that insulates ourselves from the vulnerability of needing God. I thought that was good. <laughs> right, I finished. That's my preach. That's it. I was like, that was good. Um, I, I want to say a couple of things by way of introduction, um, and then I'm, I'm going to jump into a, uh, something. And... Um, you know, there was a point where we might have been here the first day that we were in the building. And I want to tell you, I'm really glad we're not. I, I just wanted one more time in here. Um, and, and I wanted to see the building from here. Um, and I want to preach into that. But I also just want to minister to something because there's a, there's a connection in the Bible between um, the personal and the corporate. And there's a connection between the ha- building the house of the Lord and building your own house. And we see that in the lives of, of David and Solomon in particular, but there are, there are particular relationships. But we also see it in another place. And I, I just have a feeling that there's a, a moment of ministry that, that needs to take place before you move in there, which is to connect your personal need with your commitment to the house of the Lord and the the second place we see it is is slightly different but I think it's it it's the same principle Jesus said to Peter you are Peter He, he identified who Peter was and then he said on this rock I'll build my church there's a connection between the individual purpose and identity that you have and the house of the Lord and there's an there's a relationship between your your personal need and helping to build the house of the Lord does this make any sense at all if you have there's two two I want to minister in two places for just for a moment I know it's a bit early for ministry but just run with me if you have a particular personal need breakthrough that you need breakthrough in so like the I'm just putting this in this context of the personal need of, of, of you know David and Solomon and a house and building a house for the Lord there's a connection between the two does that make sense 
I, I, I just got this sense this morning when I was in worship that there is a, a moment of dedication for you, for your life to the... It is over there, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was over there. There is a moment for you to dedicate yourself to the building of that house. Not, I know it's built, but it, it's only physically built. It's about to be built. It's about to be filmed. It's about, filled. It's about to be established. If you need a breakthrough in your personal life, I want to invite you to stand. But in standing, I want you to commit yourself to the building of that house. The house of the Lord. And you see, we, we see in the buildings in the Old Testament, the, the physical connection between the house of the Lord and the, your personal house. So I just want you just to take a moment and you've, you put money into that. I know you've done all of that, but I want you to put heart and soul into it right now. I want you just to invest your heart, your soul, your will, your emotions, your passion into the filling and the building of the house. Because the most significant moment in the building of both the tabernacle and the temple was not the physical construction, but was the moment that it was filled with the glory. That it was filled. So Father, I ask right now, right now that every one of us here, whatever our relationship with this wonderful family here in Bethel Atlanta, that today we say yes again, to serving that house, this building, that it will be filled with people. It will be filled with the glory of God. It will be filled with love in action. It will be filled with kindness. It will be truly a light that will attract many, many people. And so today we say yes to you. From our place of need, we say yes to seeing your house filled, filled with all of the fulfillment of all of the promises that you have given to this family in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And I also just want you just for a moment to just to stand in your own personal identity, just as Peter did, in your own call, in your own identity. Peter, you, you are Peter. On this rock, I'll build my church. You, you are Blake and Dan and Justin and, and Lauren. You are individual people. You have an individual identity. You have an individual calling. You have an individual unique assignment. I just want you to stand for a moment and hear Jesus say this on this identity, on this person, on this rock, on this who you are, I will build my church. And I believe that there is a moment about to come for many, many of you where you are going to feel like you know who you are in this family like never before. That you know who you are. You, you know the, the unique place that you lock into this family. And I bless you, every one of you, in your unique individual assignment, identity, and calling 
to lock in right now and be connected to what God is doing in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. For those of you who love lots of Bible, you'll be happy today. I have got more Bible than one message can have, but it, it, it flows um, okay usually. I've only preached it a couple of times, and I, and I wasn't sure what to do here, but then when you were, and I, I decided yesterday, Leif came over to me and said, did you, were you involved in the songs? No, not, not at all. And uh, there was a lot of singing about, about dawn. There's a, um, this is an unusual place to start a message, but um, in Job chapter 38, it says this, have you ever in your life commanded the dawn? The answer is no, just in case you're in any doubt. <laughs> have you ever in your life commanded the dawn? But here's what it then goes on to say, and this is my interpretation. That it may take hold of the ends of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it. Now, here's what I think is significant about this. Have you ever commanded the dawn, the natural dawn? No, the answer is no. But it then shifts to a spiritual. It shifts to a spiritual that shifts the atmosphere of a region. Have you ever commanded the natural dawn? No. Never even thought about it. But I want to show you today that you do carry something which has the potential to take hold of a region, to grab hold of a region and for the wicked to be shaken out of it. You have never commanded the natural dawn, but there is a dawn taking place. You'd, you'd have to be like, if you walk up here a couple of weeks from moving into a new building and you don't re reference the fact that there's a new day coming, you miss something. Like, quit preaching. There's a new day coming. And sometimes, sometimes we have to really decide to grab hold of a new day. Those who know me well know that I adore Isaiah chapter 9. I think you call it Isaiah still in this part of the world, but I've converted back to England. So it's Isaiah again now. I want to read um, quite a decent chunk from it, starting in, in chapter 8, um, because I, I, I spotted this verse before Christmas, and it, I, I read it and read it and read it, but I don't think I'd ever seen this. So Isaiah chapter 8, verse 16, bind up the testimony, seal the law among my disciples. Now, you could preach on that for a probably a year. Blake was referencing testimonies early. I, I'm in the same club, Blake. When I, was, when I got put on the team at Bethel and put in a room for two and a half hours on a Wednesday morning listening to testimonies, having been somebody who ran a prison for a living and a meeting, you did work, you got stuff done. Two and a half hours of testimonies was like, what on earth is going on in this room? And then I realized it's how you create a culture of the goodness of God, that nothing's impossible and all of that stuff. 
This is the Old Testament though. Bind up the testimony, seal the law among my disciples. There are disciples in the Old Testament as well. I'll just throw that out there. And I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob. I will even look eagerly for him. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me are for, I'm going to remind you again, this is the Old Testament, signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells on Mount Zion. And when they say to you, consult the mediums and the scientists, as uh, spiritists, who, sorry scientists, I, that was a terrible slip there, who whisper and mutter, should not a people consult their God should they consult the dead on behalf of the living? Now, there's a whole ton of stuff here that I could unpack. But for me, this is this incredible picture of the gospel. Now, I personally believe that, that we need to spend time and give attention to understanding the gospel. I actually think that we have reduced the gospel to something much less than it was intended ever intended to be and I will come back to it a little bit but for me this is the gospel disciples signs and wonders and miracles the law of the testimony that's the gospel and my gospel starts in Genesis chapter 1 and it ends in Revelation if your gospel doesn't slap yourself and go I'm going to sort my gospel out Then, verse 20, to the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn. You all know Bill and Chris, don't you? Bill Johnson, Chris Vallotton. In some form or another, you're familiar with him. For me, the way I kind of think about the law and, and the testimony is, it's kind of like, Bill's kind of like the law, the word of God. He, he, he's the one who's brought us the, the solid anchor points in the Word of God from a heaven to earth mindset of the goodness of God, nothing's impossible, the power of the testimony, etc., etc. And, and so we, we've, we've been anchored in that. Those, the, you know, Bethel's our family, Beth, Bethel's our team. And so with Bill, it's like that. You've anchored us in the law. But then you've got Chris. And for me, Chris anchors us really in the testimony. Now, not necessarily the testimonies that are repeated, but the testimony of his life. As I said, when I preached this in front of him, you know, Chris is a, a, a broken mechanic fixing broken cars who God said would change the world. And he is. And, and for me, those two, they're, they're these two anchor points for us as a family. And, and I, I could talk about that but here's the thing that verse says this if you don't have those in you if you don't have the law and the testimony in you you don't have the dawn there's something about that that is utterly stunning to me and I, and I hope I'll, I'll get all the way through and unpack enough of this that you know this bobbles around you get seasick with this lectern has anyone else had that problem it's like I should have taken some travel sickness pills. <laughs> All right, you still, are you still with me? Okay, so we've got this picture here and then it goes on. 
They will pass through the land hard-pressed and famished, and it will turn out that when they are hungry, they will be enraged and curse their king and their God as they face upward. Then they will look to the earth and behold distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be driven away into darkness. There is so much in this passage. You could unpack tons of it. Um, There's so much of it for me that's a parable, uh, a parable of, of especially what we've just recently been living through. Um, It's a parable also of of people looking to the earth for answers instead of looking to God for answers. It's a parable of people looking for spiritists for answers instead of looking to God for the answers. And then in the middle of it, we've got this. We've got the law, the testimony, the disciples, the signs and wonders. So it's, it's, it's so rich. But then... Carrying on, chapter 9, verse 1. There will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish. In earlier times, he treated the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali with content. But later on, he will make it glorious by the way of the sea on the other side of Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. Now, I'm going to go somewhere with two names in there in a moment. But we have come through in varying degrees, and I know some places have not experienced it the same as others, but we have come through some darkness. I don't, you know, I don't know what your experience has been, but I want to tell you something. When it was dark in Isaiah's time, it was dark. Like there was no ambient light. You know, you couldn't turn your iPhone on and find a torch and find where you're going. When it was dark then, you couldn't go out, you couldn't travel and you couldn't work. Which we had a number of months of that. I don't know what you had, but we had about 10 months on and off of times when we couldn't go out and we couldn't go to work and you couldn't travel. So there's been some darkness around. I'm not going to major on that. I think there's a bigger darkness issue uh, to address. But there's this absolutely incredible prophecy here of two called Zebulon and Naphtali. Now, I don't know about you, but I have to remind myself that they are two of the tribes of the people of Israel. Because they're not the famous ones. You know, they're, on, they're not Judah. They're not the Levites. They're not Benjamin. In fact, they barely get a mention in the Bible. But I want to take you on a, a short little journey in the middle of my preach um, to, to illustrate something. Now, if you'll forgive me, if you can run with this, if I was a, a genius actor, I would, I would probably be able to do this better. But I want you just to imagine with me that from Genesis through to Matthew chapter 4, Zebulon and Naphtali are two people that I'm having a conversation with. Can you do that? So right the way through, that long expanse of time. So what, And we're kind of going to meet them here in Isaiah for a moment. And, and to meet them and go, Tell us a little bit about yourselves. You know, Zeb and Nat, we could call them or something like that. Tell us a little bit about yourselves. Well, gosh, we have got such a dysfunctional past. You would not believe it. Let me give you a, a verse just in case I don't, you don't believe me. And Rachel's maid, Bilhar, conceived again 
and bore Jacob a second son. I mean, what the heck's going on here? I know Leif's studying all this and how that all happened in the Old Testament. So Rachel said, with mighty wrestlings, I have wrestled with my sister and I have indeed prevailed and she named him Naphtali. I mean, what have we got going on here? We got a couple of sisters jealous with each other. We got one of them having a baby, you know, via a maidservant. What on earth is going on? And not only that, they named him Naphtali because of a wrestling match that had been going on in the family. I mean, it's pretty dysfunctional, isn't it? Imagine going around the whole of your life. Where did you get your name from? Well, you know, my mum was jealous of, of, you know, her husband's other wife and all of this kind of weird stuff going on. What a mess is going on. And then you've got Zebulon. Then Leah said, God has endowed me with a good gift. Now my husband will dwell with me because I have borne him six sons. So she named him Zebulon. I didn't realize that that was a criteria of husbands and wives sleeping together, that you had to get six sons first to prove it or something. I mean, what on earth is going on? So we've got Zebulon and Naphtali, they're in darkness and we're, we're talking to them. Yeah, it's really, really dysfunctional the way we just came into the world in the first place. And then our dad, Jacob, well, he, he was quite a one. He, he, was, he was named Deceiver. That was, that was his, his, his name. That's what it meant, you know? So he had that going on. And, uh, you know, he, he actually tricked his brother out of a birthright. Right old family mess we've got in our background. Wow, Zeb and that. That's, that's, that's pretty, pretty crazy, isn't it? But hold on a minute. Let's just, have, let's just unpack a couple of these things. You were, you were saying about, um, Jacob, wasn't he the one that wrestled with an angel overnight? Wasn't, wasn't he that one? So that wrestling name that you carry might not be all bad. It actually might be a family trait that you, you wrestle and win and that your dad actually wrestled with God. And, and didn't something happen out of that, that the one called Deceiver ends up being called Israel? And for all eternity, everyone will know your dad's name is the name of the people of Israel, the most favoured, blessed family on the planet. Aren't you missing some things, Zeb and Nat? Aren't you, aren't you only dialing into the negative things in your story? Can you remember anything else? Is there anything else that, that happened? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were, we were gathered together, all of us, the 12 of us. We were lined up just before Dad died and we were all given a prophetic word. Every one of us was given a prophetic word. Wow, imagine that. Imagine you being lined up with Dad and, and every one of you gets given an individual prophetic word. Tell me what your prophetic words were. Oh, um, yeah, Zebulon, I'm going to dwell at the seashore. That's cool. I'd love to dwell at the seashore, wouldn't you? I mean, I, I personally, I, I, am, I am offended personally by banning Liebscher right now because he didn't plant a church in San Diego when I lived in California. I mean, come on, Banning. That, you know, Sacramento. Now he goes to San Diego. Now you go to the sea. I mean, he shall be a haven for ships and his flank shall be towards Sidon. Or Naphtali. What, it, what was said about you? Naphtali is a doe let loose. He gives beautiful words. 
Well, I'm telling you, Zebun, that you've got some seriously great history going on. You need to stop looking at all the dysfunction in your past. You need to remember that your dad wrestled with an angel and won. You need to remember the incredible prophetic words you were given. And here, right now, where you are right now, the word that's being given to you from Isaiah is this. For her who was in anguish in earlier times, he treated the land of Zebulon and Naphtali with content. But later on, later on, he shall make it glorious. The people who walked in darkness shall see a great light. And then I want you to imagine, we part company, see a Zeb and Nat, being a good chat with you. And... Uh, and then a little while later, you know, I pick up the phone. Hey, who's that? It's Zeb and Nat. Really? How are you doing? You will never believe this. You'll never believe what's going on. What do you mean, what's going on? Well, you know that guy, that guy Jesus? He's moved in. What do you mean he's moved in? Oh, he's, he's moved in. It's here. It's, in, it's written down, Matthew chapter 4. And leaving Nazareth, he came and settled in Capernaum, which is by the sea, the region of Zebulon and Naphtali. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet saying, the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light and to those who were sitting in the land and shadow of death, upon them a light dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand and then we go on at the end of the chapter. And Jesus was going about in all Galilee, that region, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. What was said in Isaiah? Law, testimony, disciples, signs and wonders. What do we see in the land of Zebulon and Naphtali? It's only where Jesus called his disciples. It's where he first preached the gospel of the kingdom. It's the first place that we hear of the signs, wonders and miracles. Zebulon and Naphtali. Here's what, here's what I take from this. And here's what I wanna just speak into. I believe, and I wrote it down this way. Let me just say it how I, want to say this is what Bethel family do we show you the dawn before you can see it that's what we do you see the Zebulon and Naphtali piece is Zebulon Naphtali I want to show you the dawn in your life story you're so caught up thinking about Jacob the deceiver, the arguments between your mums, the dysfunction in your family that you missed it. Let me show you the dawn. You see, when you carry the law and the testimony inside of you, when you carry it, you, according to Isaiah, this, or I said Isaiah for you then. Look, that was really kind of me. I, I slipped into the, that. It says this. You have the dawn in you. 
You have the dawn in you. You know what happens in here and pretty much anywhere that, that I love to go. People come up to the front for ministry. And here's the thing, it doesn't matter what their dysfunction is, what their background is, what their need is. We have the opportunity to whisper in their ear and say, I want to show you the dawn. There's a dawn coming. I can show you the dawn because I carry it. It's inside of me. I carry the law. I carry the testimony. It's inside of me. See, here's what I'm observing is happening in our world at the moment. People are tearing apart our gospel. They're dividing it. That you, can, you can apply this illustration to light if you like, or you can apply it to the gospel. You can apply it in many different ways, but we are taking it apart. How dare people take it apart? The illustration for me of Zebulon and Naphtali is this stunning, stunning beauty of this whole book, the Bible, from beginning to end. Zebulon and Naphtali, you're gonna live by the sea. You're gonna have beautiful words. You're gonna be like a doe let loose. Doesn't that sound like everything we know of our Jesus by the sea at, at Galilee with beautiful words, the dough let loose. Jesus, the dough let loose. This book beginning to end is stunningly beautiful. It is so wonderfully connected and yet people want to tear it apart. They want, they, they, people, when people start talking to me about deconstruction, I go, how dare you do that? How dare you do that to this book, to this book, which is so much more than just a book. This book written by so many authors, but these interwoven stories and connections, you can't make up Zebulon and Naphtali. You can't make it up. It is divine. It is anointed. It is stunning. It is beautiful. It carries keys for us. And I watch people, they, they want to, divide the gospel. They want to dilute the gospel. They want to deconstruct the gospel. Stop it. Read the gospel. Love the gospel. Fall in love with the gospel. Find yourself in the gospel. Find yourself in there. It's stunningly beautiful. And when you carry it inside of you, you have the privilege of showing people the dawn. Let me show you the dawn. Our story, Susan, my story, is that in 1999, a man went to Bethel Church that, that Sue knew. He went to Bethel Church and he, and he spoke to, to Bill and Benny about, about Sue. And Bill and Benny connected that man with a pastor in Bethel and sent that pastor from Bethel to Windsor to meet with Sue. Do you know what Bill and Benny did? They showed her the dawn before she could see it for herself. They said, let's show you the dawn. They didn't even know who were. They did not know that one day I'd be on the senior team. Nothing. I'm just a guy who runs a prison who's married to a girl called Sue. But they showed us the dawn. I said, there's the dawn, there's a dawn coming. It might seem dark right now, but there's a dawn because they carry the dawn because they have the law and the testimony. And so they showed us the dawn before we could see it for ourselves. That's what Bethel family does. That's what that building is all about. I actually believe that it's not just an individual prophetic word. I believe that that is a sign of the dawn for the city of Atlanta. 
Show Atlanta the dawn before they can see it for themselves. Show the world that's in darkness, confusion, despair and doubt. Show them the dawn. Show them the light on a hill. Show them the dawn before they can see it for themselves. We spend too much time focusing on the darkness. I don't know what it's been like for you just lately, but I, you know, I, I've started restricting some of the people I follow because quite frankly, some of them have ended up being, I mean, like they're experts in darkness. I don't know any of you experience that. Maybe it's only me. I mean, they really are. There are darkness experts out there. I mean, some of them are so good at it that they actually produce you a daily darkness devotional if you want to find it. It's there every day. You can open up your Twitter. It's like, oh, daily darkness devotional. <laughs> the world needs people who show the dawn. Who show the dawn before we can see it for ourselves, just like Bill and Benny did for us as a family. He showed us the dawn. Here's the dawn. There's a dawn breaking. There's hope for you. We need the light. We need the light. Honestly, people do. They, they, they're questioning so many things today. And we shouldn't be surprised because John said this. He said, and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. I wanna tell you something, you cannot argue with darkness. Don't argue with darkness. Don't waste your time. Show darkness light. Don't argue with it, just show the light. The world needs people who carry the dawn and we're dawn carriers. We were born to be dawn carriers. We weren't born to argue with darkness. We were born to carry the dawn to go into situations and bring dawn, to bring hope, to bring light, to bring life to situation after situation. It's our great privilege. You see, Jesus, it said of Him, this is the judgment that the entire Old Testament was building up to a moment of judgment. And then Jesus comes, this is the judgment, the lights come. This is the judgment, the lights come. They were waiting to be told what was wrong with them and they were shown a dawn, they were shown a light. People who are waiting to be told, you're wrong, you've got this wrong. No, that's not how Jesus did it. He came as the light, He is the light of the world. And He said this, it's so stunning. While I am with you, I am the light of the world. But then He says, you, are the light of the world. We are the dawn that this world needs. And I, I, I don't argue with people over the, a, a lot of the stuff of deconstruction or any of that stuff. All I want to know is that I carry the law and the testimony. I, I wanna know that that chapter in Isaiah chapter eight that talks about the law, the testimony, disciples, signs and wonders is me. I wanna know that. I wanna know that I'm carrying that, that I'm being discipled in the way of the kingdom. And incidentally, I do personally believe that it is time for the gospel of the kingdom. I love the gospel of salvation, but the gospel of salvation's in the gospel of the kingdom. But the gospel of the kingdom is not in the gospel of salvation. 
We have to have the gospel of the kingdom, which is the full book, beginning to end, back to front, upside down, every way you look at it, the gospel, the good news. And this moment in which we live, Lindy, you were saying it several times, this moment in history, I believe that this moment in history is going to be marked by our ability to understand specifically five things. Five things. What does it mean to be apostolic? Which is all of you, by the way. All of us are apostolic. You might not be an apostle, but you're apostolic if you follow an apostle and the first apostle's name is Jesus. So don't worry about finding your apostle on earth. Just do what he did, say what he says, go where he goes, believe what he believed. I believe that apostolic will be one of the key words for us to understand because it is about being sent from heaven to earth to change earth. I believe that secondly, the understanding of the full gospel, what it means to teach, preach and live the gospel will be supremely important in this moment in history. Why? Because we've seen the gospel divided. We've got the gospel divided in the prosperity gospel, the reformed gospel, the evangelist gospel, the social gospel. Stop dividing my gospel. We need to understand the full gospel, what it truly means to carry the good news of the gospel of the kingdom. Apostolic will be vital. Gospel will be vital. Kingdom, the understanding of kingdom will be vital in these coming days to understand what it truly means to bring the impact of the kingdom to every sphere and every realm of our world. Absolutely vital, without any question at all. Church. Now what's interesting is, if you were to study these, you will find that these are all words that were taken from the culture of the day and were, were, were taught by Jesus and brought to life by Jesus. And again, we're seeing the church, we're seeing questions over the church. People saying, because, you know, some seem to think because we had a pandemic and we could do church on Zoom that they don't need church anymore. You do. I could preach on that for quite a long time. But the two things I know I need without any shadow of a doubt, is to face-to-face -face relationship with my brothers and sisters in Christ and the corporate experience of the presence of God. And I can touch it on Zoom, but I can't fully experience it. But the understanding of what the church truly is, is gonna be vital for us. We are gonna to have to shift away from so much of what we've become familiar with. So much which has been to do with structure and systems, and I love structure and systems, but we have got to reestablish the purpose of the church, the bride of Christ on planet earth, the church that Jesus said he would build. And finally, disciple. We need to be discipled and to disciple others, but I'm not talking about disciple people to be good church going Christians. 
which is what we've tended to in the past. We need to disciple people to be carriers of the gospel of the kingdom, to be apostolic disciples, to be part of the church, a family, a community that together encounters God, that together is a family, that together is trained and equipped to change our world. Apostolic, kingdom, gospel, disciple, church, I believe those five are gonna be absolutely vital because of that there is so much that is coming against us. So let me see if I can wrap up. We're dawn carriers. Here's what I believe we as a Bethel family do. We show people the dawn before they can see it for themselves. Some of you need to see the dawn today. We show people the dawn before they can see it for themselves, but then we do something. We put you, we saturate you in the presence of God. And I can prove from Scripture that this is the right thing to do. Psalm 57 verse 8, Awake my glory, awake harp and lyre, I will awaken the dawn. There is an absolute direct connection between the presence of God and and the awakening of the dawn. And you're a presence family. That's who you are. That's what you love to do. So you put these two things together. Let me show you the dawn. Let me put you in the presence. Let me show you the dawn. Let me put you in the presence. And you awaken the dawn. And go back to Job And what do we see? When we awaken the dawn, everything changes. The atmosphere changes when we awaken the dawn. See, that's what we do. It comes again in Psalm 108 verse 2. My heart is steadfast, O God. I will sing. I will sing praises even with my soul, which is the way my wife prefers me to sing, with my soul quietly so that nothing can be heard. Awake, harp and lyre, I will awaken the dawn. It's who we are. We are carriers of the dawn. It's our identity. We carry the dawn. We carry the dawn into a world that's got darkness all over the place. Experts in darkness, people who are trying to tear apart the light or the gospel, to deconstruct it, to deny it, to dilute it, stop it. We're dawn carriers. We point to the one true light, the light of the world, the one who is justice personified and it looks like light. And you won't hear probably very many preaches that start with Job and end with Job, but I'm going to end with Job. And then I want to begin to minister. This is a verse I adore. And I think I would have loved it when I was five because it says, shut your mouth in the Bible. And I'm sure my mum told me I shouldn't say shut your mouth, but it's in the Bible. I'd love to have told it. It's in the Bible, mum. <laughs> so the helpless has hope. Job 5.16. So the helpless has hope, which is what happens when somebody shows you the dawn. That's what happens. You show someone the dawn and they get hope. 
when the helpless has hope, unrighteousness must shut its mouth. We're dawn carriers. We carry the dawn. We whisper into Zebulon and Naphtali's ear, you want to stop thinking of all the negative stuff. Let's have a look. You had prophetic words from your dad. Your dad wrestled with an angel and won. You got prophetic words that said you'd live by the sea. You'd be a doe let loose. You'd have beautiful words. And then we see the great story emerge. And Sue and I can testify for that because somebody showed us the dawn and now we get to travel the world. There's a connection between the two. And this is what we do. But when we whisper in someone's ear, let me show you the dawn. The only thing that can happen is that the unrighteous lies have to shut their mouths. They have to. And Proverbs says this, when it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. You want to know how that building touches a city? Because that building shows the dawn. And they, when you show the dawn, you give hope. And when you give hope, unrighteousness must shut its mouth. And when unrighteousness shuts its mouth, righteousness is released. And when it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. And you might stand here and go, all I did was told somebody that they were beautiful. You change cities. That's how you do it, by showing the dawn to people. And the beauty of this family is that we show the dawn and we go, get in the presence, get in the presence, get in the worship, because the worship awakens the dawn. I want to invite you right now. If you are here and you're like, I feel like I need somebody to show me the dawn. I need someone to show me the dawn. I want you just to come straight to the front. If there's an area in your life, it's, it's health. You need to be shown the dawn. If, if it's anxiety, if it's mental health issues, you need someone to show you the dawn. If you are fighting anxiety, fear, lying voices in your head, if you need a breakthrough for a job, for a relationship, you need someone to show you the dawn. You need someone to whisper in your ear, it's gonna be okay. He's a good God. I want you to come to the front. If you're in that category, I know there's a ministry team here. But before the ministry team get here, I want you to begin to reach out. You see the people on our social media who are experts in darkness, they are just putting people in deeper and deeper holes of darkness. Division that's going on in our world. Everything either being black or white, right or wrong, left or right, up or down. It puts people in pits, and, but the beauty of Jesus is when He shows the dawn, He lifts your head. You start to look up. And before anyone comes up and pray for you, I want you just to start to look up. I want you to start to anticipate the dawn. I used to do night shift 
There was something about when it started to get light. That night shift started to feel a lot less long. Just begin to look for the light. And then I'm going to invite the ministry team to come up. And I don't know whether there's worship just going to come up at the end, but you can do it however you want. But I just want you to begin to show these people standing up here the dawn. Show them the dawn before they can see it for themselves. That's the beauty of this family. It's the beauty. For some, it will be a prophetic word. For some, it will be somebody speaking truth from the Word of God. For some, it will be a hug. February the 2nd, 2012, I was given a prophetic word. Somebody showed me the dawn. I wasn't even looking for it, but somebody showed me the dawn. And I've walked in that word. I've walked, as it were, in the light of day because somebody showed me the dawn. Team, just come up and just begin to lay hands. I would encourage you not to say too much for a moment. Just lay hands for a moment. Encourage them as they look for the dawn in their situation, in their circumstance. This is who we are, Bethel family. We're dawn carriers. We take people like Zebulon and Naphtali who are in darkness, whose heads are down, who can't remember one good thing about their family. And we start to show them the dawn. There's a dawn coming in Atlanta. And you're the dawn carriers. And you're awakening the dawn. Holy Spirit, I ask now that you would come. Jesus, you're the morning star. You light up the sky. You are the dawn. You are everything we need. Father God, you are the creator. You are the great strategist. You are the great planner. You are the great architect of our lives. Would you introduce these people here into their next life's step into the dawn? And for this Bethel Atlanta family, may it be famous for showing the dawn to people before they can see it for themselves. Let's awaken the dawn, family. Let's awaken the dawn. Let's awaken the dawn. Let's bring this region out of the darkness of this past season. Let's awaken the dawn. Let's rise. Stand up. Let's awaken the dawn. Let's awaken it in our lives. Let's awaken it in our families. Let's awaken it in our city. Let's awaken the dawn. Let's be famous for showing the dawn to people before they can see it for themselves. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.